Dawson, dear. Yes, Natalie. It is time for another episode of Romantic Truth. Gina, start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Terminator activated. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, and it is the 17th of February. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to take our time, and we're going to examine the 13 most common fears of women when it comes to dating and relationships. Now, what we're going to also do is turn it around and talk about those same fears from men. There are some differences, and there are many similarities. One of the first, of course, is sexual exploitation. Women are deathly afraid, for the most part, meeting a guy, going out on a date with them, and having sex too soon. Or having sex in a context where they feel as though they're obligated to do it, or they feel as though it's being forced upon them in some kind of way. This is, of course, one of the biggest fears of women. They want to be in control, and they want to gradually get themselves to an emotional point. Cerebral point first, emotional point secondly, sexual point third, in order to be with the guy. So, for this, usually, sex is off the table for most women until on down seven or eight dates down the road somewhere around there where they're comfortable. Let's go on to the next. The fear of being perceived as a whore, loose woman, or Jezebel, you can call it whatever you like. At this point, what happens, these individuals are afraid of being classified or categorized as something less than reputable. Reputation goes a long way in our society. So therefore, they're going to try to do everything they can to protect this reputation. This is the reason why fear number one is linked to fear number two. They don't want to go out too soon and start having sex because it can impact the reputation, the marketability, and not only that, it can have other overtures to different aspects of their personal lives. The next one is being victimized or abused. This is a very common fear. This is the reason why I advise women to, on their first date, make their own transportation to the date and from the date. Still treat the person as a stranger because you really don't know them that well. And understand this person is not your friend. There is someone you're trying to get to know. So you want to take your time and be very vigilant, do your due diligence on that individual. 
the other fear, being led on. This person may be preoccupied, preoccupied in a relationship. They may not be emotionally available because they have a family, a spouse, or something else, a girlfriend on the side. And women feel as though getting involved with this guy, it could really be a heartbreaker if things come out where he is lied. Now, this leads into the next one, being lied to. The big letdown, the big disappointment. This is what many women fear as well. They've made a choice on the guy that they wanted. And they're hoping that they made the right choice. See, when a woman makes the wrong choice, it impacts her person. Just like with anybody, you make a choice to buy something or to do something, and then to find out it was less than what you expected, disappointment ensues. No different when it comes to a relationship. And so, at this point, women become very hard on themselves when that happens. They beat themselves up pretty badly emotionally. How could I have been so stupid? I should have known better. The red flags were there. To counter this, many of them will just go and start building that brick wall up to protect themselves from other people. And this wall is effective for many of the people that will try to approach them. However, someone they like, more often than not, they may let all those guards down just to get to that individual leave themselves vulnerable voluntarily and not realize it. And that person may or may not be the best person for them. And they could do more damage if the person has cruel intentions. Now, the other fear. Being played or used. In other words, this person that this young lady is going out with has no intentions of a long-term relationship and they have patronized them, told them how beautiful they were, complimented them, everything in the world to get them into their camp. And once they've gotten there, then the person sees an opportunity to exploit their vulnerabilities. Take, for instance, they may have a problem saying no. They may have uh, this stroke of uh, generosity well, these individuals take advantage of this. These people look for your weaknesses and they exploit them. And unfortunately, a lot of women fall victim to this as well. you probably seen it where the guy has forgotten his wallet. And then you find out he doesn't have a job. So even if he had his wallet with nothing in it, they'll run that on you as well. The other fear, being controlled. I tell ladies all the time, if it's a situation where he's going to take you out to dinner and he's taking the menu, he's talking to the waitress without even consulting you, he's ordering for you without even talking to you and say you're going to like it, that's an indicator of how your relationship would go with him. Your input is not needed. You're nothing more than just an accessory to his ego. So it's something for you to think about there. That's usually to start. You may suggest something and he may go and make a definitive decision on it without consulting you. 
consideration is a big thing in relationships. Now, the other fear of women is being vulnerable. Now, here's the problem with this. And this is where you come into conflict with the women's movement and so forth. A lot of these women want to be perceived as not being vulnerable, not being weak. And they look at that as a negative thing. And this is where they come into conflict with men that look for feminine women. Because while these women are hardening their position when it comes to men, men find that offensive. And so therefore, they're not as desirable for guys. So what happens is it fills the narrative of these women with this negative disposition towards men where they're trying to be a lot tougher, a lot harder, they don't want to take no crap. Well, for men, that's about something. He's going to sidestep that woman. Not because she's fierce, not because she's intimidating. It's because he sees her with an, an issue that he doesn't want to deal with. And so he walks right past her and goes on to the next woman. That's just the way it happens. The other fear women have, being rejected. Some of them are very sensitive about this. And the reason why you are ladies is because what happens, you don't get rejected that much by men. As men, that's a rite of passage for us to be rejected by you. We don't get the beautiful girl in high school who's the cheerleader. We only get her after she's tried for the guy who's the jock. And later on in life, after she's had the children and had the fun, we get you at about age 40 or 50. During a class reunion or something like that. In other words, I hate to put it this way, but in some cases we get the emotional leftovers. What you have left in you after dealing with those kind of situations. Another thing that women fear is being in a relationship and being unheard, not having a voice. And this is a valid fear as well because it's as if, it's as if you cannot express yourself in a relationship. You gotta walk on eggshells. Your partner doesn't trust your judgment. You question your own judgment. Doubt starts to ensue. And you have to watch yourself in the sense that if you give your partner too much power through compromise, then what happens, it puts you at a disadvantage. Being exploited. Now, being exploited means being taken for granted. This means this guy can come to you with any kind of situation and you will accept it. Now, as men, we have the same fear because there are some women who will come to our doorsteps with problems and more than likely a man's going to accept your problems before you accept his as a woman. So, in this regard, you're looking in an effort where you may like the guy, but you're looking at his situation and what's causing it. You're looking at the behavior, the causal reasons why he's in that situation. 
And you're trying to make an assessment because you don't want to be used. You don't want to be hurt. And so therefore, you're very cautious about this. And this can be very daunting because you have to make a decision. And, of course, you don't want to make the worst decision getting the worst guy. Now, the other, of course, is emotional abandonment. This is one of the biggest pet peeves for women. The worst thing in the world is to be in a relationship and feel like you're not in a relationship. To feel as though, as one lady put it, that I spoke with years ago, she says, my marriage feels like I could go out and sleep with you today and under normal circumstances, I feel as though I could probably tell my husband he wouldn't care. It's at a point where the core values in a relationship Communication, respect, dignity, affection, attention, affirmation, all those things have gone out of their relationship. And this is the fear of many women, where they're no longer needed, no longer viewed as essential in the relationship, and the partner has grown away, and they have gotten another constituency established, or another agency established. Now, one of the most fundamental things that women hate, and especially in the initial stages, is ghosting. Ghosting, by far, is one of the biggest threats for people just starting out on a dating situation. Now, last and not least, of course, is infidelity. And the worst thing that they would like to do (laughs) would be to choose someone who's a cheater. And this is hard to decipher. Some people go by a person's past history. They'll ask them, well, how many relationships have you been in? How was your past relationship? One thing to keep in mind, folks, when it comes to cheating, that's not really an indicator. What's an indicator is a pattern of behavior. So, let me give you an example. So, tell me about your past relationships. Well, all of my boyfriends have cheated on me in the past. Red flag. I've been faithful to them, but I don't understand why they've cheated on me. They wouldn't touch me in the bedroom, and they just went out and had fun. Another red flag. Now, here's the reason why these are red flags. She's already established a pattern of behavior now. With her pointing the finger, you would think that it was just the fault of the guy cheating. Well, that works for some people. I go a little bit deeper. Okay, we know what he did wrong. Do you think that there were any triggers that prompted that to happen as well? Because see, what they want to do is to be exonerated because they have pointed the finger at the villain. 
but you also have to look at the cause. The cheating is the effect. That's what you got as a result. Not to say that she did anything wrong, but here's the thing. We look at it from the point of her doing something, but you can also be in that same category for not doing anything and to be too complacent. Ladies, how many of you have been in relationships with a guy and you want to be dressed up every once in a while to go somewhere and like to go out to eat or something like that and you never get that opportunity with him? It's always a situation where he's too busy or there's something else going on that's more important. But what you have to come to grips with is He has made you a low priority because he's giving you excuses. Now, he's prioritizing whatever he's doing besides you, right? So what this would tell you is you're tolerating it. So therefore you're complicit. And then if you throw your hands up and accept it, when you tell a guy later on after you've broken up with this fellow, that this guy along with other guys cheated on you, et cetera, et cetera. What we look at is, okay, we know he's a jerk and a jackass, but were you complicit? What do you mean by that? Well, why didn't you talk to him, see if it was going to work out, and leave? Oh, well, I just thought I would stay and think that things would get better. When we hear that, what we hear is an excuse. Now, most guys will go and take that and run with it because they would love to hear you say something like that because they know good and well if things don't work out, they could probably still sleep with you in the interim and in the process because you're slow on making decisions. So it goes both ways on that. Now, here's another thing too, I will tell you. Some of you ladies are afraid of choosing a guy who's irresponsible and does not accept any sort of accountability. That's one of your biggest fears. You know, the guy who lies and tells you he has a job when he doesn't, and he's expecting to live off of you. Of course, you're not interested in him, hopefully. But some of you get so low in your spirit and become desperate where you think that this is the only guy that's ever going to want you. Especially many of you single mothers do this. You think this guy's your last chance. He may be your first rejection to get something better. You never know. So don't put yourself in that corner. You don't have to. We'll talk more in just a moment. Now let's talk about the fears of men. They're there. The first one is men fear trusting the wrong woman. 
that's first and foremost. Trust is one big thing for us ladies. We will tell you this. Two, men fear being vulnerable around a woman who's not deserving of his trust. Because we already know we don't trust other men on anything. So, with a woman, we're going to entrust you with our vulnerabilities. Now, here's the other thing. Men are fearful of women who are going to be with them, but try to shame them, blame them, and make them feel guilty. This is the reason why those women who try to act like the boss bitch and comes out with this, you know, calling guys um, emasculating terms and hobosexual and all of that, they will never get the quality man in their lives. They're going to always wind up with a weaker man. And the reason being, stronger men are not attracted to those women because they have the same characteristics as men. So naturally, they're going to attract weaker men. That's going to keep them frustrated. That's the way that works. Because here's the thing. A man's not looking for someone that's going to be a subversive. Someone that's going to try to tear him down on the backside while he's doing all these things to protect and provide for. They're going to let the simps do that. The simple, impotent male prototypes. They're going to let those guys do that because those guys are patronizing and they're just after pussy. And if it means that they have to kiss this woman's ass for whatever reason, for a length of time, they will do it. They will impregnate these women. These women will dominate them. If you ever saw the color purple, Oprah Winfrey's character, the way she treated Harpo, that is the way these women will treat these young men in the modern era. And these men don't want to be associated with that. These young men may try to act like they're an alpha male. They might try to act like they're gangster, hardcore, whatever. These guys are nothing but paper tigers. And these women will consume them and poop them out. So, the man does not want a woman that's going to backstab him, in essence. Trust and integrity is very important. That's the next thing. A man does not want to ever get a woman that he cannot trust when his back is turned. Meaning that she will do the right thing by him. She will let other men know that she's in a relationship. She will handle things so that he's protected when it comes down to certain things such as if a man tries to ask her for a phone number. She handles it by saying, well, I have a man and you're not getting my number. She walks away. Now, if it escalates beyond that, then she'll involve her man. But for those little trivial spats, she can handle it. Because, see, she values this man so much that she knows that if she gets him engaged in an altercation or something like that, she has a chance of possibly either losing him to jail or to death. And that's the last thing she wants to do because in her mind, 
child, she has prioritized him as someone she loves. And this is what this guy is looking for. He's looking for a woman that will only want him to engage in combat or something like that in the event it involves them saving their lives. Outside of that, just because she's mad at ex-boyfriend, that's not a valid reason. And this is what men fear, winding up with women like that. Those women that are just looking at, they got this droid and they could just send him out to go and fight her battles. And so that's the reason why men look for women of integrity and character. Not people who are just a bunch of emotional anger and and madness. The next thing we look for. We look for someone who pays attention to detail. We fear not being with a woman that does not pay attention to detail. The reason being, she's the second set of eyes. And not only that, guess what she has that men doesn't have? A good woman has the ability to think things through while he's protecting her. I'll give you an analogy. It's just like when I was in the Marine Corps. We had a command center. Well, guess what we had out of that command center outside of it? We had sandbags, machine gun nests to protect the thinkers inside making decisions for battle plans. That's what the wife or girlfriend can do. She's structuring the best plan for the family, the best plan for them to go forward, and guess what she's doing also? She's presenting something putting together something so she could present to him so that the two of them can work in tandem in order to make things work. The reason being, he's protecting her so she has more time to think things through. What he fears is getting a woman who's just full of emotions and that's it. He wants someone who's practical and logical that can think things through. The worst thing he wants is a woman that he worries about after he's away. Gets me to my next point. He fears being with a vulnerable woman. When I say this, she's attractive, she's beautiful, but she may not be confident. She may be easily persuaded. She may be easily manipulated, easily offended. And one thing to remember, The quicker it is to offend you, the easier it is to manipulate you. That's the way it works. This is how people manipulate large masses of people when it comes down to sensitivities. Let me give you a brief example. Let's take, for instance, you come to this church and I'm the pastor. And I'll say something like, evil is wicked. Yes, past is wicked. Some people involve themselves in evil, don't they? Yes, pastor, they do. 
How many of you in here are wearing black today? Black shoes, black belt, black shirts, black, black suits, black dresses. And they start looking at each other and they become self-conscious, right? Well, here's what I would say to you. Between now and next Sunday, I give it all that black because that black represents death and evil. Now something symbolic like that makes people self-conscious. And what do they do with this? They take this and they apply it. And then after they apply it, they then try to embrace others to do the same. They try to encourage them. Once they have done that, that person who manipulated them initially realizes, hell, okay, I got them from wearing black. Everybody's showing up now wearing white in church on Sunday. Now that they're doing that, let's see what else we can do. If you have gray hair in the congregation, gray is evil. Next Sunday you come in, everybody dyed their hair black. Because the whole thing is to create a sense of guilt and then allow the weight of the people who complied and conformed in order to convert. This is the vulnerability that men fear with weaker women. Them being manipulated. This is by family, by friends, by cults, organizations, you name it. Now, another factor that comes in with this um, particular situation as well, that only being gullible is a threat. The other problem that comes in is to be nebulous. In other words, men fear being with an indecisive woman. Someone who makes their mind up one way and then changes it around another or becoming a hypocrite in general. We fear hypocrites because they are a vulnerability. They are a weakness for us. They are a weakness for the relationship. You want one thing one minute, you go in one direction, then you come back in the next. And what that means is that he can't really trust your judgment. And ladies, when you do this in relationships, what the man does, that's the reason why he second guesses you. Because he's like, wait a minute now. She told me, I know guesses, right? I made up, made up a word, second guess you. What happens is he comes back and he says, well, wait a minute now. You told me this and you want this. And then after a while, he starts tuning you out, especially if you consistently do this. He's fearful of that because you may co-sign for something that you may not have uh, really shared it with them. Like, for instance, you might have lent your sister $700. And then after you've loaned them that money, 
you start complaining because she's not paying you back. But then he finds out after the fact that you're now short on your money because you're now dealing with a situation. But here's the problem. Leads into my next thing, deception. Now, this is a big one for us. Really big one. You're really big on men about honesty and lying. Men are really big on you when it comes to deception and omission. Lying and not saying things that need to be said. This is a big deal for us. Women who catfish, please hear me. It's nice to have those filters to make yourself look better on Facebook or whatever. But let me tell you something. You want to have your photo on, on your profile somewhere, on the original of you. That man sees you for the first time and you're not who you said you were or represented yourself. He's valid in walking out from you. Not even speaking, just walking out. Be careful in your deceptions. And I always tell men, don't lie to women about your status and where you are financially. Ladies, that's another thing that's a pet peeve with men. If you lie to us and tell us that you're an entrepreneur and you're on AFDC work and everything else, you'll never be taken seriously again by him. And you will never get a chance to have access to his resources. Because see, that's what that trust thing is all about. Another thing that we fear, you not being able to fend for yourself. So if you were together with him and something were to happen to him, how'd you take care of yourself financially? Now, back in the day, when the guy was the only one that worked and the wife just took care of everything, it was a situation where he busted his ass and he did all these things and he made sure that she was taken care of, making sure that she got his social security, making sure that all of these things took place. But here is the problem. Times have changed now, things are more expensive. People acquire more assets now. So the one thing he doesn't want is if he has a business, to have a woman that, oh, I don't care about that, I just love shopping. See, this is the kind of fool that would mess around where somebody else, a board member, family member, come in and take the company from her after he's passed away and she winds up on the street eating tuna fish. He's looking for somebody that's got something going on behind them. Look at Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, all of their wives. They have advanced degrees so that even if something were to happen and they got on the board, guess what they could do? They could still resume things. Look at Vanessa Bryan, what happened after Kobe. She's able to take on the helm and take over those things in the face of tragedy and sadness. So these are the things we look for. 
these are the things we fear. We fear dying and leaving you in a vulnerable state. Ladies, we fear that the most. We fear being marginalized by you because we're marginalized by the rest of society as men. Think I'm kidding about that? Go down on Skid Row in Los Angeles on 5th Street. Go to Portland, Oregon. Go to San Francisco. Go to New York. Any place where there is high rent. Who do you see on the streets monthly? A lot of black males. A lot of white males. Homeless. So, these are the valid fears we have. Not having a job, it is a major fear. I remember one lady told me one of her fears was not being able to produce a child. And it's a valid fear for some women. For a man, fear would be to have established a relationship and then lose a job. He gets hurt on the job, injured, disabled, or whatever. He would want to make sure that he has a woman who won't run or who will be there with him and help him along the way. Hell, I've dated women that have told me straight up If you get sick or something happens to you, I'm sorry, I'm not there. I gotta go. I love you, but I love myself even more than you. And it puts you in that situation. So this is what we deal with, ladies, as men, with our fears. I know some of you are saying, well, don't you fear being punked by another guy? No. You know why? You have to remember, as men, that guy that's beating his chest talking about he an alpha male, he's an insecure man. That's the reason why he has to do that. A true alpha male never has to say they're one. They're quiet. And not all of them have muscles either. Some of them can outthink the individual. I tell you about the situation when I was in the bar one night and this guy was talking all this crap about how he could get all the women. He's drinking beers down and he had all these little satellite dudes that were kind of like underlings, you know, saying, yeah, man, you know, going that thing, doing that thing with them. And there was this one guy at the end of the bar that was bothering. Nobody was sitting there. I sat down. I saw him across the bar, nodded to him, he nodded back. And I could tell he was one of these guys that was quiet, but dangerous. See, a lot of these people tell you, even if they go to prison, the dude you got to watch is the quiet one. It was the same thing when I was in the military. It was the quiet dude you had to watch because those were the most violent. 
And so Mr. Alpha Male decided to crack a joke on the guy. And he laughed a little bit, and it was kind of funny. And after that one joke, it was like enough. But he kept going in because there were some women around. And he made the mistake of coming over to the dude, putting his arms around him and saying, hey, man, I'm just joking with you, but yet berating him as he does it. That was a big mistake. That guy was smaller than he, I think he was about maybe 5'10", and the dude that was cracking the jokes was like 6'5". He had this man on the ground begging him to let him go before it was over with. That little dude got out of that chair and flipped him over so quickly he didn't know what happened. This is the reason why we don't become intimidated by those guys. And ladies, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something that I've witnessed with my first hand, or first hand with my own two eyes. A friend of mine's girlfriend wanted to break up with him. She went out to a club and picked a fight with a huge dude. Knowing good and well, my friend could not even compete with this guy. That was her way of getting rid of my friend as a boyfriend instead of being a woman and breaking up with him like most women do. So he goes over to defend her honor. This man, big dude, picked him up, put him under his armpit just like it was a newspaper and walked him into the men's room and continued to whoop his ass. I'm talking about this guy was he was parallel to the floor he was carrying him under his armpit he was horizontal so big dude comes out of there security walks him out my friend comes out glasses all messed up one of the lenses in his shades knocked out head tilted he's got a sock hanging off of one foot shoe missing and she's complaining about him talking about, if you were any kind of man, you wouldn't have let that happen to you. But she initiated it. She didn't care for him, didn't love him. And of course, he asked, why didn't you come in and help? I said, you see how big that dude was? I said, he was just using one side of his body to whoop your ass. He still had the other side where he could have whooped my ass. So I said, well, instead of him just being doing double duty, he could just go in and just whoop your ass alone and that'd be just fine. That meant that I didn't have to go to the hospital. But he allowed his woman to put him in that situation because she didn't care about it. That's our fear, ladies, in a nutshell. One moment.
All right. Let's talk about one of the biggest fears for both men and women. You know what that fear is? Going over to just say hello to someone and being dissed before you got there. I've seen this happen to both men and women. And it's a messed up situation because that really hits your self-esteem. Now, years ago, back in the 90s, I was at the Cadillac Club in Moreno Valley, California. Next door, they had a Bowman Alley. And they had a pink Cadillac. It was like an Eldorado or something from the 1950s. It was a nice car. White interior, white top, pink body. And it was a takeoff of uh, Aretha Franklin's Pink Cadillac. It was a nice spot to play good music. Well, people started fouling in, of course. And these ladies were like heaped up in his boots because it was one of the ladies' birthdays. Now, the most attractive woman was sitting on the end booth facing me. And I was at a table pretty good distance away. And she would look, then she'd look away. And then she'd look again, then she'd look away. Then I'd look at her and then we'd, we were playing cat and mouse with each other for the longest. So finally, she was going to the ladies' room which was in the opposite direction, but she made it a point to go in the opposite direction, go around the wall, and make it to where I was and came up behind me. So I hear this woman whispering in my ear, why were you looking at me? And I look at her and I told her, I said, because your eyes were looking at me. She says, but my eyes are supposed to look at you. I said, well, my eyes are supposed to look at you, too. And she said, well, touche. And she introduced herself, and I introduced myself. And it was funny because she was telling me, I'm going to need for you to save me later on tonight. And I said, why is that? She says, because my girlfriends, they're not going to let any man come to that table. And I would like to dance with you later on. And I know as long as they're there, they're going to act ugly. As we were sitting there, while she was standing, I was still sitting down. There were guys trying to talk to them. And these guys were getting shot down left and right. I mean, one of them was saying, your teeth are too big. The other one was like, you ugly. I mean, they were, they were being brutal. These were fairly decent-looking women, though. And she said, you see how ugly they are, how mean they are? I was like, yeah. She says, I'm not like that. We exchanged numbers. And I told her, I said, now, you got to make me a promise. I said, what's... And she was like, what's that? I said, you're going to have to make sure that it's okay for me to call you when you get home. And she says, well, you know, we'll probably leave here around 12.30 tonight. Give me a call about 2. 
I said, okay. So we had already had that plan. Well, she goes back to her girlfriends, and one of them saw her talking to me. After she got back to the table, one of them just peeled off, the one that saw me, beelined over to my table. So what are you talking to my friend about? Mom, I said, well, she just said hi. I said hi. Huh. Oh, you're trying to talk to her, huh? I'm like, well, we'll see what happens. Well, you might as well forget it. She just got out of divorce, and she don't want to be bothered with no other man, and blah, 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 and she's just running it down. Now, mind you, this woman was not as attractive as the woman that initially was interested in me. I said, okay. <clears throat> well, I thought I was done with that. Nope. The other girl comes over. She's interrogated and asked questions like, so what do you do for a living? Well, at that time, I was working at the television station, I told her. And she says, oh, uh-huh. Well, can I get on TV? I said, that will depend on what you do. So she left. Another one comes over. You just might as well forget it. My girlfriend ain't interested in you. So you see these men are not coming over to our table because we intimidate. I said, okay. So she left. Now the fourth one, she was just listening to all the gossip the other ones that had uh, did. The lady that came over initially to me, I think her name was Velma. And she leaned out from the booth and looked at me and she just shook her head. And it was so funny because she decided to come over to the table with me. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. My buddy who was with me, he looked and he said, oh, here comes the damn drama. <laughs> and he was right. And so she sat by me and then her girlfriends came over. They still left one lady at the booth to kind of hold the seat so nobody would get there until the birthday cake came and all the rest. It was one of the ladies' birthdays. And so here I am trying to be jovial, saying, okay, whose birthday it is today? And then the birthday girl said, it's mine, and I wish to have her birthday. Well, I could tell she had eyes for my friend. And so they started talking. And man, let me tell you, those women played clitorference like you wouldn't believe against him. Well, you know, she's our friend, and you ain't taking our friend away from us because you take our friend away from us. The last dude that did that, he hurt her and broke her heart, blah, 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 blah. And he found it kind of difficult, and then when he uh, got ready to get her number, these women just popped out of nowhere, and they were like, well, you got to put your number in my phone, too. The lady that I was with, she was like, well, that sat down with me. She was like, well, she said, that's the downside of having these friends. Now, they were all contractors for the Air Force. 
know, civilian contractors. And so they were here on assignment at the time in Moreno Valley, down there at uh, March Air Force Base. And so she was telling me that she had about three more months left and then they were gonna send her to Colorado. It was funny, the night after they had gone home and I called her at around two o'clock, we messed around and talked on that damn phone from two o'clock in the morning till 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I didn't realize we had been on the phone for 12 hours. And then she told me, she said, you know, she says, um, I'm gonna get an overnight bag and I'm coming down to your place. It wasn't a request, it wasn't that she asked. She literally picked up and came down. She went into the shower, made herself comfortable, put on a robe, and got in bed with me. And we had a wonderful evening. It was really weird because the chemistry was like, it was just ridiculously there. Her girlfriends got on her phone. They blew it the hell up. Where are you? What you doing? Why are you with him? What are you gonna do tonight? We're going out back to the club tonight. You coming? And she was like, no, I'm tired. And so what she did, she didn't want them to know where she was. She told them, well, I don't feel like going out tonight. I'm just gonna stay at home. What the hell she do that for? These girls went over to her sister's home, got a key to her apartment from the sister, went inside the woman's apartment looking for her and saw she wasn't there, calling her for asking her where she is. She was pissed off because they had, you know, violated their friendship by doing that. And so she's like, you know, if you were in my shoes, would you go down there? And I said, if you go down there, the thing they're trying to do is to trigger you. What you need to do is call your sister, tell her to go get them out of your place and lock that place up. I had never heard such a sweet and loving woman cuss out her sister in a way Oh my goodness, I mean, it was just ridiculous. She used some terms that I'd never heard of before. And the sister apologized for giving them the key. And she said, I know some of my stuff's probably missing. They probably took my dresses, my perfume, and... So she had her sister to go down to her place and check it out. Fortunately, they didn't take anything. Phone's still ringing. They want to know where she is. And she said, you know, I'm tired of this. And finally, she put me on the phone and said, yeah, what do you guys want? Who the hell are you? I'm the guy that she met that night, last night. Oh, hell no, nigga. It was just ridiculous. 
it was unsettling how these women were upset because they had lost their friend, supposedly. Amazing. I got my kids electric toothbrushes for Christmas and I just heard one of them using it and I just realized how thin my walls are and I wonder how many times my kids think I brush my teeth. All right, let's go into the mailbag and I'm going to read Kelly's email. She's somewhere in Missouri as she writes here at the bottom. Today has been a very tough day for me. I'm just thankful that I had my mother for 33 years of my life. Today was a very solemn day. Cold, rain, wet. I really don't know how to start my life now. Throughout my whole life, I've been at my mother's disposal, learning everything I could from her, even learning about the dreaded disease she died of. I guess I have to grow out of my childhood mindset, and it's very difficult because she's always been there for me. And she's no longer there now, and I have to stand up and be the adult. Even when she was ill with her cancer, I tried to be the adult, but I just couldn't. She had to be stronger than I. I went to the funeral today. Dad was at the church. So was my aunts, a few relatives. And these were the people that marginally gave a damn about her. They wouldn't come to see her. They wouldn't call her. My dad used to always thought she was play acting with the cancer. Never took it seriously. Thought it was all in her head. I used to have to take time off to take her to her chemo treatments. He thought it was all a big show. He went on and got him a younger girlfriend for a while and then decided to come back just out of guilt. I noticed that he and my aunt did not show up at the gravesite. It was really sad. Watching her rose-colored casket go into the ground And I threw this plastic rose that I bought at the 99 cent store in with her. Something that would probably last a little bit longer than a real one. It's hard for me to write this email as I wipe tears away, tears of sorrow. I put my life on hold for so many years just so that she could have one because it seemed like all of these family members around her seemed like I was the only one that gave a damn. My siblings didn't even bother coming to the funeral. They wanted me to send them pictures. They were too busy with their families.
I assumed that everyone was going to meet up at mom's house. Being that not too many people showed up at the gravesite, I was wrong. When I arrived, it seemed like the house was lifeless. My cousin had talked everyone into coming over to her home. And they were going to basically have a party. I wasn't in the mood for celebration. After all, it's kind of funny how the people didn't have to do a goddamn thing always celebrate. I went into the house slowly looking at some of the things that we had purchased over the years. Her walker, her wheelchair, robes, bed pads. All these things reminiscent of her in her final days. I went upstairs just to take a glimpse in her bedroom one last time before I have to call the realtor and work out selling the property, splitting the proceeds among my siblings. As I turned the corner, I noticed a black dress on the floor. And there was my aunt straddling my dad in the bed. I was so angry at that point, I just charged towards the bed and just started laying into her. She got the best of me, I'll admit. I got up, a little bruised, and I stormed out of the house. I contacted the realtor immediately. My hope was that they would probably catch her. I really don't know how to feel right now. I'm numb, I'm hurt, I'm sore. But I realize now I was never liked or loved in that family besides my mom. I'm gearing up for a legal battle when the house is up for sale and everybody wants their cut. Just like they tried to sue me when I got the insurance money. It's amazing how people will act over a $10,000 life insurance policy. It was barely enough to put her in the ground. I would love for you to write me back if you can, and you can podcast this if you so desire. Because I want you to give me some kind of guidance or idea as a 33-year-old woman. How to start my life from scratch. I've never had sex before. I've never been with a man before. And I'm deathly afraid of online dating. Please. I would greatly appreciate it. Anonymous. Somewhere in Missouri. Wow. Folks, when I first read this,
it damn near brought me to tears. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through this, men and women. You take care of your family member, and then they come around like <sighs> vultures after that person's gone, but doesn't do anything while that person's alive. Well, the only thing I can say is it's tough. Um, yes, I must contact her. I've already contacted her, but I'm working out a little strategy for her to go by. And just to give you a little insight, she's at a stage of emotional development when it comes to a relationship that a teenager would be at. Someone who's around 15 or 16. Fearful. Trust issues. Total lack of confidence. Questioning. Her judgment. A whole bunch of things. One thing that I discovered her mother did not spend much time with her talking about relationships, boys, and that kind of thing. It was more or less she was educating her on household things, how to take care of things. So she never got that component. And apparently, dad was never there. And plus, she couldn't depend on him for the most part because as he saw it, he was in denial more than likely. So, we're continuing to communicate. And she's getting through it. She's strong. She'll be fine. But the main issue, I think, is the disappointment of the family not showing up as being the problem. I think that hurt her more than anything else. And it's impacted her self-perception, self-worth, and everything else. It just daisy chain. And these things happen. These things happen. But I'm just glad she made it through. Folks, this is one thing you have to watch a lot of. When a person is relying on you too much and they start to pull up a chair and take a vacation while you're working your ass off especially in a relationship you need to take note of that and you probably want to stop and say okay well since you stopped I'm going to stop because what I'm getting at is you should not be that meal for that individual in a relationship. Just like family will use you in this instance, your partner may use you in others if they don't respect you. I can't stress this enough because a lot of times what people will do, they will get involved 
they'll be very enthusiastic. And their partner will take that enthusiasm as a weakness. You know how people say, oh, they took my kindness for a weakness? They will take your enthusiasm for a weakness. Oh, since this person is so motivated to do this, well, hell, let me just let them go on and do it. And as they do these things, they find more comfort in doing nothing until they can't help themselves. Then they have to just go and lock their fingers behind their heads and sit down and enjoy while their partner works their ass off. See, here's the thing. In the relationship, you should require a word called reciprocity. That means that if you make a sacrifice, that person makes one. You make a compromise, you make one. Take, for instance, if you guys are talking about something and you require that person to make a compromise, your partner. Do not ever let your partner make a compromise without you making one yourself. And that way that person does not feel left out. It will help you in the long run with the relationship. Because what that partner will probably do is say, well, you know, when we were together, you did this or you said that. And I didn't see you make any sacrifices. I had to make the sacrifice myself. This, of course, blame, shame, and guilt. If you don't remember anything, those three things usually work in tandem with people. When they want to manipulate you and get you to a point of thinking as they do, or agreeing with them, blame, shame, and guilt. You see it with these people who try to host these uh, talk shows, and if you don't agree with them, they blame you, they shame you, then they guilt you, right? They do it because they're so insecure that if you came out with an argument that countered theirs because they think they've gotten all the answers, it intimidates them. See, here's the thing. You have to separate your ego from who you are. Hard to do, right? Because the problem is that ego is a driver. And if it's too close to getting to your decision-making, what you'll find is that you'll be very reactionary and very emotional. So you have to pull back off the ego a bit. It helps out a lot. When you want that 30 seconds where you can think about things before you get involved, it's amazing what 30 seconds can do. I had a friend of mine that got upset because his wife, he caught her red-handed cheating. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. She was in a man's car. She had her panties down by her calves. He had his drawers all the way down to his ankles. She was in the driver's seat. And she had her head down at his crotch. Totally busted. He told me, he said, I got so angry. He said, at first, 
I wanted to go back to my car and get my gun and end it all. He said, but I thought about it. He said, man, I did what you told me to do. I waited 30 seconds. And he said, within that 30 seconds, I started thinking about the reasons why I did not need to resort to violence. And he said, you know, I came up with more reasons not to be violent than any reason to be violent. He told me later on, he said his biggest pleasure was when he went into divorce court because they were fighting over custody of the children. And she was living with some dude and she didn't know him that well. And he said when his attorney got finished with the request that he had wanted, he got full custody. She got limited visitation that had to be supervised. And the children were not allowed to visit the mom at the location in which she lived. The reason being, the guy that she was with had a criminal record that she had no clue about. So it was pretty interesting. Now his kids are grown, hell, they have their own families now. But back then, he was really worried because he wanted to look out for the best interests in them. And I'm glad he did, because they're wonderful kids. Well, they're wonderful adults now, wonderful parents. So folks, the key is reciprocity is the thing. Being mindful of your partner, being respectful of your partner, and learning to temper your anger and not allow your ego, your pride, your insecurity to get in the way of your logic. Your logic is the tool that will keep you alive on this planet. Your emotions are the tools that will help you cope with some of the difficulties within this planet. It's simple. Your logic is the decision-making skills for survival. Your emotions are those skills, coping skills used for you to do just that in a volatile and changing place where you don't lose your mind. And they have to work in tandem. And sometimes we become so emotional that we become a mess, an emotional mess. Someone that just does not know what to do with herself, just don't know where to go, have no direction. And we have to be better than that, because if we're not, it can definitely set us back and hurt us.
We deserve to be happy, right? We'll talk more in a minute, folks. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.